The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Sony Open, the first full field event of the calendar year. And joining me to break it all down, as he does each and every Monday, it's Greg Ducharme. Greg, welcome. Here we go again. We are in full swing. Uh, first full field event. It feels like a, another another starting point to the PGA Tour season. So Number really four, excited. Yeah. yeah, at least. Um, so really excited to break it all down tonight. And normally we have seen Najad here. He withdrew from the event, so we went to the alternate list and we found Sal Vetri. Sal, uh, good to have you again. You were on the show. I, I, I don't know. Time is a flat circle. It could have been weeks ago. It could have been months ago. I don't know when it was, but it's always good to have you. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, Monday qualified literally today. Happy to be here. So <laughs> yes. uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, full, first full field event. Happy to be here. You got to play a good round on Monday qualifying. Yeah, you got to go low on Mondays. Yeah, you got to go Matt Jones low. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Gentlemen, Sony Open. This event started as the Hawaiian Open. Greg, this is, uh, we often overuse the word like staple on the PGA Tour. This is truly a staple on the PGA Tour. I think it's been held every single year except for one for 50 or 60 years, 1970. There wasn't an event. Otherwise, we have started basically the season at Wiley each and every year. So we know this one. Lots of good history. Yeah, yeah a lot of good history, a lot of good data. Um, the course has seen minor renovations over the years, but um, but it's been a very similar look. Uh, it's played a, a very similar way. You have somewhat similar winners here and past champions, and the recipe for success is somewhat well-defined, although I think it's hard to predict. I, I don't think it's it's an easy predictor by any means, there's definitely good data, definitely good profiles of, of winners here. Yeah, I'm going to share my screen here. We'll pull up the course and the tools. This is from my website, rickrungood.com. And Sal, obviously two straight events in Hawaii, but these courses not particularly similar. Obviously, we can look at the par. This is a par 70, the yardage closer to 7,000 yards. How else would you compare and contrast Kapalua to Wailai? Yeah, big contrast from what you were saying, but also if you want to just look at the fairways, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing I look at. When you're at Wiley, the fairways are, you know, basically tour average for the most part. They're 34, 35 yards, depending on where you're looking wide. But when you start to look at uh, Kapalua last week, it's top five in terms of the widest fairways, 50 yards wide. You're looking at half a football field there. So there's not much risk. Off the tee doesn't matter as much there. Your accuracy doesn't matter as much there because everybody's hitting the fairway and going from your second shot from there. And that's what you see when everybody's going low last week, factoring in conditions. So the conditions would be the same. You're still in Hawaii to an extent, depending on what the weather will look like. But for the most part, hold the same Bermuda grass on the greens. But those fairways are 
the thing that's going to change for me when I'm analyzing this a little bit more, I'm not just going to say, yeah, it doesn't matter what you're doing off the tee. I'm going to throw you in there. It's going to be looking at it a little bit firmer in terms of driving accuracy. Yeah, the, the defense around YLI, much like the plantation course, Greg, is wind. Now, we did not see uh, an ounce, not a breath of wind at Kapalua last week, which is why you saw historic scoring rates. Now, when we go to a much flatter course like YLI and a course that has really it's been nice to the shorter hitters, right? You were kind of mentioning some of the past just winners. You're talking about Matt Kuchar and Kevin Na and Russell Henley and Jimmy Walker's won it twice. I, I mean, these aren't bombers. So there's lots of different ways to get it done this week at the Sony Open. Yes. Uh, um, and as as Sal mentioned, there's a little bit more of a premium on driving. And there's some more rough that will come into play for sure there, uh, throughout the week this week. But there's also a lot of dog legs. And it's a positional kind of golf course where you got to get the ball at the right angle to approach some of these tricky greens. Now, I, I still don't think driving accuracy in terms of fairways hit is going to be the, the key factor coming in. I, I don't look at the past winners and say, well, they hit, you know, they, they hit more fairways than everybody else. They rank sometimes in, in the 20s to 40s, sometimes even higher in the field. But you do have to get the ball in play. You have to keep it in, bet in between the trees and shorter hitters often have a, a much easier time doing that. So, uh, again, I don't think hitting it in the fairway versus hitting it in the rough is the key deciding factor this week. But you do have to keep the ball in play. Um, and, and that's why the, the statistic of driving accuracy is one of the one of the weakest on tour. But you got to use a little bit of your eye test this week and say, you know, can can Webb Simpson get the ball in play? Yes. Does he hit more fairways than everybody else? No, not necessarily. Um, so it's definitely something I'm going to be factoring in this week. I, I also, I, I rate highly similar to last week, putting. Put, putting is a, a really yeah. important aspect. But there's a, a caveat this week in particular. From what I've heard, it's really soft. Kind of like what we had last week. The, the rough is apparently a lot thicker. Greens are a lot softer. They haven't really been able to mow uh, in quite some time because of the, uh, because of all the rain. So I'm expecting a, a really soft golf course again. And that always gives me a little, well, I'm curious to get to hear your thoughts on it, but I think that gives an advantage to some of the, the really solid iron players, some guys who can throw some darts in there. But at the same time, the reason I question that is do soft greens give a, an advantage to guys that aren't as high quality of ball strikers? Does it allow them to, uh, to to get away with some mishits a little more than a, a firm and fast golf course. So I kind of go back and forth there. I, I do think some strong iron players will have a good week, but um, it seems like it seems like putting putting is really the the key factor here. You want to make a wager on whether they play play uh, preferred lies or not for <laughs> a couple <of> days? <laughs> From what I've heard about the golf course, they they will. Yeah. Um, Although, Which, if that's the case, playing out of the fairway is a huge boost. And a, a, iron players who, who who can put their hand on the ball, give themselves a lie, are just super dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Look, the the key, the lie is one thing, and and it's a factor. But the the, the ability to make sure you have no mud on your ball, it, it takes a – it reduces any doubt you may have. It increases confidence, and all of a sudden, you give a guy like Webb Simpson a, a, a nine iron from the fairway, with and he's he knows there's no mud on the ball. He's got nothing to fear. 
it, and, and the greens are soft and it's time to throw a dart. I, I like his chances. Mud ball. Thank you, Jacob. Oh, thank goodness. I was going to, I was going to tee up and I was hoping you were paying attention. Mud ball. That's the best. Okay. I'm flipping over to the cheat sheet here. Let's go through this tier by tier and Sal, um, Greg was speaking about the eye test. The eye test for me at this point in the week is keeping an eye on who has withdrawn from this event. So as of right now, which I'll date it, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time on Monday, here is who we know has withdrawn. Lucas Herbert, Pat Perez, Ches Reavy, Bryson DeChambeau, that's your big boy, Bryce Garnett, Garrett Higo, Troy Merritt, Lonto Griffin, Peter Uline, that's 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 the notables. That's the vast majority of the list. So Sal, the 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 thing is, the pricing came out before Bryson withdrew, yep. before I believe Revi and Lonto withdrew. So there actually are some gaps here. Bryson was priced into obviously the ten thousand dollar range, but now you have Cam Smith at eleven thousand two hundred. Then a gap to Hideki Matsuyama at 10.6. Webb Simpson is 10.5. Sung JM is 10.3. And Mark Leishman is 10,000. So this has created a bit of a, a ripple effect through this $10,000 range. Yeah, it really has. And I think that depending on... I was interested to see Bryson specifically because he ends up losing strokes off the tee last week. But it's it's kind of this weird event where everybody was fine last week. So if you're doing something a little bit bad, it's going to become a lot worse. And that was the first time he lost since, I believe, last February at the Genesis. And even there, he didn't lose much. So I wasn't going to be too concerned about it. He now withdraws. So it'll be interesting to see. I didn't think he was going to pick up too much ownership. And I think this is just going to open the floodgates even more onto Webb. It seems like He's going to be the guy that really stands out this week. Everything, I mean, except the win here is, is kind of what he's done. He's arguably been in the last three, four, five times that he's been here, the best golfer to play here, even though he doesn't have a win, which is weird to say. So I think everybody's going to go to Webb right off the bat. I think that he looks like the, the quote-unquote optimal play. I personally, in this range, I'm going to be looking right next to um, Webb and was going to be sandwiched in between Bryson at Hideki. Hideki has, I mean, multiple years now, played well in Hawaii, and this is, I mean, just the summation of a deck. He playing well, and then the putter loses two to five strokes. And that's exactly what happened last year here. He led this field in tee to green at this exact event. Last week, he played well tee to green. He played well on approach. He loses strokes putting two to two and a half. So I'm going to play Hideki in this range. And the guy that I like the most right now as with the expectation that he comes in as the lowest owned in that field. And all he has to do is only lose one stroke putting, uh, which if we're betting on it, and if we're betting here in DFS in general, I'll take that bet. Let me bounce that right back to you, Sal, on, on Hideki, because I'm kind of stuck on the fence with him. This is an event, and the event that he's played the most in his career eight times without ever earning a top 10. It's it's the one event that he's that he's never finished inside the top 10, playing it as often as he has. Does that all at all concern you? Do you think there's a bit of a kryptonite on uh, Hideki Matsuyama when it comes to Wiley? It almost seems like Wiley, it almost seems like Kapalua. I don't know if it's green specifically i'm not sure exactly what it is i mean the, the putter just in general is not there 10 events is getting more of a sample it does concern me i think ownership is is mitigating that or at least what i would expect there but yeah at this price point where he was i was expecting to see probably like a 9800 price tag on hideki so when he's this expensive in a field that now doesn't have bryson up there i would probably guess in a larger field maybe get like eight percent ownership ten percent ownership and something like that I'll feel okay getting to, especially when you consider that even if he's expensive, winning the event would be great, but he can also score, right? So he's in a position where he can score. He's going to come into this field, a borderline top 10 score in, in DFS, whether that's a birdie maker or eagle opportunities. So 
that's another thing that kind of gives me a little bit of an edge when I'm looking at trying to get different up top. Awesome. Putting a bow on Webb Simpson here, Gray, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts on on this 10K range and how you're parsing through it. But Webb Simpson's played here 11 times. He has three consecutive top four finishes. He's been piling up top 15s in, what is that? Eight, seven, eight out of 11. I mean, it's just, it's this is a web course. You get four or five of them a year. This is certainly one of them. So with all of that information and all of that conversation, Greg, how do you start breaking down at the top of the board? I think Webb is the place to start. I, I feel bad. I got to mention, I feel bad leaving Cam Smith out. How, how do we leave Cameron Smith out? If if I'm going to value putting uh, the way that I do, which I think is really important, you, have, you haven't seen anybody putt better than Cam Smith did last week. He, no. he was phenomenal. But I, I just, at, at his high price, but what's the likelihood that he rolls that around? Are we looking at a Justin Thomas situation from, two, what was that, 2017? where he, he won at Kapalua, shot 59 here at Wailai. I wonder if we're overlooking Cam Smith. That being said, I'm I'm willing to do that because Webb has been so strong here. And th- the other thing about Webb that I like, he, he f- had a really nice finish at the RSM Classic. Um, you, you remember what happened back at Wyndham. Even when Webb isn't necessarily playing well, the, the Webb courses seem to work out really well. And yeah. the you look at you look at Wyndham. It was a T seven, right? But he missed the playoff by one shot. So that T seven is almost like a like a runner up, almost. And it, there were six guys that beat him that week, but he was right there in the mix. And, and I think that finish was a lot stronger than than it is when Webb is on fire, like he was in twenty twenty. All courses become web courses. When he's not on fire, the web courses still stand up. They still hold on true. So I really like starting with Webb. And then the other guy that has my interest, I'm kind of going on the other side of Sal here. Sung Jm has my interest again. And you look at what, what he did last week. He gained two shots on the greens in strokes game putting. He, he finished in tied eighth. And you had to make a ton of birdies. And that's exactly what he was able to do. So um, uh, with, with Sung Jay, I love what I see from him, um, so far this year, he's won in the wraparound season. He, he won at the Shriners and, and he played a rather healthy fall uh, as you would expect. Uh, but that seems to be a good thing. I mean, l- looking at some of the past winners here, and I think this is important. There are two things, um, four out of the last seven. It's not necessarily the strongest thing, but four of the last seven winners here at the Sony also won earlier in the wraparound season. And 16 of 23 winners, which is a much bigger sample size, a much stronger correlation, played in the Century Tournament of Champions. So when that, that's what kind of pushes me towards a Sung JM, maybe a Cam Smith again, over, over a Webb Simpson, even though I, I think Webb is a, a really solid play. But I'm, I really have a good feeling about Sungjae. I did last week, and I think the golf course should suit him really well again this week. What, what was it, Greg? 23 out of the... 16 of 23 winners have played in the Century Tournament of Champions. Do you, do you think that's I, a strong... I hate, I hate that stat. Okay, why? Because the best players in the world play at the Tournament of Champions. They might just be better players. Yeah, yeah that's a good... It, it's a very fair point. They won last year. But does that mean that better players are winning here in this event? 
Does that give you any, better players that, at winning events? <laughs> yeah, but does it give you any indication of a of a Sungjae over a Webb? These are both great players. They're both capable of winning. Does it give you anything, or still no? I I don't think so. I'm I'm bullish on the same guys, Greg. Right? I I, I think Sungjae is great. I think I'm so bullish on Webb for for 2022 and the the lack of oxygen that we spent on cam smith who was the best player in the world by i mean not by a mile but was phenomenal last week has won this event it's probably one of the better setups for him is is jarring but but sal i mean we we just saw you know patrick cantlay goes three or four months without without competitive play goes out and contends i mean john rom didn't play competitively outside of a couple of european tour events after the tour championship he's 30 something under par. I'm I'm just starting to think these guys stay sharp, stay in shape, the best players and the cream rises to the top. Yeah, I agree and and when we're just thinking about building out lineups as well for tournaments, I think a lot of people are going to have the notion that playing last week and I do think it matters to an extent for sure, especially with similar conditions, but I I think that that's going to leave a lot of these players that didn't play last week or making their de- debut today or haven't played maybe since November at least on tour in a competitive event. I think it's going to make them a little bit definitely cheaper one, but also not get as much popularity on them and ownership. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, Cam Smith, it's it's so tough, even after seeing what he did last week, because we're sitting here at this time last week. John Rahm is at that price point in a much smaller field as the number one golfer in the world. And, and nobody wanted to pull the trigger on him as he came in at like 12% owned. And now you're getting Cam Smith in that spot, which even after the impressive uh, event, it's it's difficult to want to start a lineup there. Yeah, it is actually interesting. Smith is um, more expensive than Rom was last week. Rom was eleven thousand right. flat. Smith eleven thousand two. By the way, uh, Cam Smith shattered the all-time fantasy point record last week, one hundred and eighty-six points. As you can imagine, when scoring gets to what it was on the PGA Tour, fantasy scoring follows suit. That is, as far as I could tell. Uh, outside of what Greg, the Bob Hope used to be five rounds. Outside, yeah. outside of the Bob Hope, so four round PGA Tour events. That was like the best fantasy scoring week ever. So, wh- what do we think? Is he going to roll that out again, or is camps? Is it silly not to play him? He last one hundred rounds weighted. This is weighted. Uh, he's the best putter in the field. He's the best player in the field by a pretty sizable gap over Webb Simpson and Corey Connors. He's won here before. Are we overthinking this? Does he not just go out and continue the great play? I, I feel that way. Um, I I, I want to roll him out. Um, the more and more I look at it, the more I think about it, the more I want to... The, the hardest part about this 10K plus lineup is that Webb Simpson's sitting there. Yeah. And, and he's your safest play. Right. I mean, Webb's the Webb's the safe. The the floor is likely the highest with Webb Simpson. But a, a Cam Smith and and a, um, I, I just I, I wonder if he goes out and continues the hot streak and runs away with it again. And he's played well for a long period of time. Last week wasn't just a flash in the pan. The score may have looked like a flash in the pan, but he's been playing great for a long time. And and now you go to a place where putting is important and he's won before i I just he checks all the boxes again and i I wonder if uh you know i said this one john rom before the u.s open when he won if it looks too good to be true well sometimes it's just that good yeah and i'm wondering if if camp smith is in that camp the nines 
Let's go on down to the $9,000 range. Our defending champion, Kevin Na, 9,900, leads the way. Abraham Answer at 9,700. Corey Connors at 96. Harris English at 93. And it gets rounded out by Taylor Gooch at 9,100. Small little $9,000 range, Sal. What do we do with these golfers here? Yeah, I think that this is a, a very interesting range because of how small it is and, and how almost precise you have to be in this spot. So I think that very similar to almost Webb, each one of these ranges has a, a standout player and you can play a couple of them, right? And then you got to get different somewhere. I think that that guy in this range is Corey Connors, who I, if you're talking about the ball striking for Corey Connors, might be the best in the field when it's on. And now you're talking about a spot where that's going to matter. If you approach shots 175, 150 yards away, there's so many par fours here, only two par fives that's going to matter. So Corey Connors comes into this when he stands out as the guy where you can even start your lineups from if you really want to get frisky and drop out of the, the $10,000 range, try and save some of your coins there. That's the guy who stands out as like, okay, there's that optimal play. I like Taylor Gooch. I still like Connors. I like Taylor Gooch, even the combination of both of them to start a lineup. Last week, Taylor Gooch, a lot of ownership on him. I mean, he was one of the highest owned players in the field. He doesn't have a terrible outing, but he's not winning you it. He finishes T15 and he only lost strokes putting. So it's not like anything was falling apart for him. He ended up winning right before that to reference Greg's stat earlier in terms of just winning in that wraparound season, winning in the fall swing as well. So I think that Gooch, when you get that price increase, because it's a, it's a deeper field now. And, and he was playing last week. And I think that's naturally bumping all these guys up who played last week. I think it's going to lead to not many people going back to him, even though the form and everything there looks good for him. And I think he sets up well here. The one problem for both of these guys is is putting, which hmm. Connors, at least at, at this venue, from referencing the Rick game and tweet earlier, seems to be Thank seems you. to be uh, having some success over the years. Yeah, let me hit you with that one real quick. So here's here's the Corey Connors story. Last 100 rounds, uh, strokes gained, ball striking. That's off the tee plus approach. He's the best player in the field. If you look at everybody on tour, he's third to only John Rahm and Colin Morikawa, which I don't know about you, that's some pretty elite company. We know it's an issue with the putter, but Greg, this is fascinating stuff. He has been unbelievable with his flat stick at Y-Line. He's played here three times. He's never lost strokes putting. He's gained like 13 strokes over 12 rounds. It's by far the best total that he's had at a course that he's played at least three times. Is there something to it? Is this just luck and randomness? Or does he have a little bit of a feel for these Bermudas? Yeah, I, I think they're they're Bermudas and they're kind of a, a tricky, you see some subtle breaks. There's uh, there's definitely some grain that comes into play, especially when they're soft and, and um, you know, a little slower like they will be this week, a little slower than you'll see in, say, the Florida swing. So I, I think there's something to that. When greens get a little flatter and they get a little slower, it tends to have an advantage or, or it makes it a little easier for guys that aren't necessarily great putters, which is kind of interesting because putting seems to be a really, really important aspect of success on this golf course. So I, I think there's really something to it. And I think it pushes you right into a Corey Connors. It, he, be, he becomes a really solid play here with that recent success. Um, and and then if you take that other angle I mentioned earlier about saw um, that really soft conditions and the ability to throw some darts and the ability to put the ball in play, he he really starts to check all of those boxes. So Corey Connors is looking like a so a really really solid play in this range. Yeah, who else, Greg? I've got one more guy with a star next to his name. Let's see if you can well, find him for me. So um, 
Well, Abraham answer my, is my guess for you. That's the guy. And the, <laughs> la- yeah. Yeah. It makes so much am sense. I that, am I that predictable? <laughs> no, but I think it, it's valid analysis, right? He's a, a, a really accurate driver of the ball. He's a, a really solid ball striker. And the, the price seems to be way too low on him for his, for his quality of performance this past season. It, it seems to be, like like he belongs in the 10k range almost to me. Um, he he's been super steady. He does well on courses that Webb Simpson does really well at, a la yeah. the FedEx St Jude Invitational. So this could be. It doesn't look like it has been in the past, but this could be a, a Abraham answer course, especially because of how different it is from Kapalua. He was horrible last week, but we knew that was coming. That was arguably, we talked about this last Monday, arguably the worst course for him on the PGA Tour. It's just not a great, it's not a great setup for him. And when you're behind the eight ball all the time, it's, listen, he he didn't play well and he was never in contention. I think he bounces back. I'll be interested to see what his ownership is later in the week. So I'm pretty partial to to those two. Connor's an answer. Sal, sounds like you're liking Connor's and Gooch. Is there any love for our defending champion or potentially higher singles here? I would say no. If there was if there was a fade for me in this range, it probably would be Kevin. Nye, I think just massively overpriced DraftKings and and, and Fanduel. Wherever you're looking, I think you're just going to get an algorithm spike just because he ended up winning last year. And I mean, he still sets up well here. The, the guy can score similar veins to an extent as a as an answer, not to the exact measures, but on how he could win here, and that's exactly how he did last year. So. I think that at 9,900, it's it's a little bit steep, especially when you're right there in that range, going up to a web, going all the way up to that $10,000 range. Uh, and not only that, I mean, you're looking at a guy when I look down just a little bit into what can start to get built from the mid nines. And when we hop into this $8,000 range, guys that I just think maybe have a little bit higher of a ceiling for the price tag. Mm. Okay, Greg, before I move us on down to the 8K range, any final thoughts on the nines? Well, I, I think Taylor Gooch is a really interesting play as well. He had a he had a great fall. And one thing, kind of a, a storyline with him I'm watching this year is 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 Taylor Gooch a guy who plays great in the fall, or was this fall a, a fall that's going to lead to um, a, a player getting a little closer to a to star status and being a consistent force and a consistent player throughout the year. Uh, this is the second fall in a row where he's had a lot of success. Although this was the first one where he actually ended up holding a trophy. And, and I, I think this is another really nice fit for him. The way he can strike it off the tee driving is a little bit of a, an issue for him, but it is for camp Smith too. And it is for Kevin, not, and it, it has been for some of these winners. They're just not really long. And it, you don't see the inaccurate bombers having success here, but Sometimes guys that are shorter and not all that accurate can have success. The ball doesn't get as far offline, doesn't quite get into the trees, doesn't get into all that trouble. So looking at what he does um, approaching the greens, I could see a a really nice week for, for Taylor Gooch where he can fill it up with some birdies. I liked what I saw last week. A, a T-15 doesn't look like the, the most impressive finish in the world, but I still think there's a little bit of merit to it. And I, I think it showed his game is in good form and and he's a also a, a, a valuable play this week. Short and not very accurate. Maybe I should try to qualify for the Sony. Short and I crooked. Do, I right? can do so both of those yeah, things. Yeah. A recipe at Sony, I guess. This is the spot for me. Okay, we're going to go on down to the $8,000 range. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. 
Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back. The $8,000 range, it starts with Kevin Kisner, Billy Horschel, and Jason Kokrak. The middle includes Russell Henley and Matt Jones. And we round out the bottom of it with Maverick McNeely, Eric Van Royen, Seamus Power, Cam Davis, and Chucky 3-6, Charles Howell III. So, Sal, when you are analyzing this section of the board, what do you see? Yeah, I see two guys stand out. I see, very similar to these other ranges, I see Henley standing out as... Maybe the guy who you didn't get to see him play last week, but almost appropriately priced. Like I think a lot of these guys in this range, especially the ones that played last week, they're getting a bump from guys that might be a thousand dollars cheaper than them with, with similar form, similar plays to styles. But Henley comes in not playing last week. He's eighty five hundred dollars here. He has a success last year. He has success over the last five years here. And I think you're going to get really good iron play. The way that it sets up looks good. A fair price tag. So he's the first guy that. I gravitate towards the guy that I want to have. Let me jump in there real quick, Sal, because Russell Henley's not only won this event, he finished T11 last year, T13 and 17, another top 20 in 2015. And I'll point this out because he's known for his iron play, irons and wedges, not particularly great putter, but Bermuda, baby, by far his best putting surface. So I like it, Sal. Go ahead. Sorry, who's your other guy? Yes, definitely. Love it. Yeah, the other guy I want to have a conversation about who wasn't in the field last week that I'm not too sure what to do with him. At first I was like, I know. And then I thought about it a little bit more, but what about Maverick McNeely? Somebody that I'm trying to make a decision on and I'm having a tough time there. I, I have a take on this, Greg. Do, do you have a take or do you want me to fire away on this one? <laughs> well, it seems like, it seems like a Maverick McNeely style golf course, right? I mean, you look at, you have an RBC heritage with a really strong finish. You have uh, the Fortinet in Napa, with another really strong finish. You have the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am with a really strong finish. Mayakoba, which there are a lot of similarities between Mayakoba and this. This was in 2020. He had a, a tied 12th finish there. Um, I, I, I look, and, and this year it was a tied 11th finish. So I think this fits right into the mold with a, a Maverick McNeely. And it, it almost eliminates the importance of recent form because he, this style works for him. But the recent form is good to back it up. A T25, a T11, and a T19 in his last three starts. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to know your take, Rick, but I'm, I'm in on McNeely. Yeah, I agree. I think we're seeing career progression. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm showing basically this is running strokes gain. So you can see, you know, in 2020 and especially as we start to get into 2021, he found something. You know, he's he's up and to the right. And if you look at his finishes recently, he hasn't lost. He's lost strokes 
a notable amount of strokes once since the Charles Schwab. And he's being much more consistent. He's plugging a lot of leaks in his game. When he first came on tour, it was whack-a-mole, something different every single week that he was having an issue with. We're seeing him really right the ship and steady things. I'm pretty excited about Maverick McNeely for the next year or so. And, and you look at the event where he lost healthy strokes. It's the BMW championship. That's a Tom Fazio golf course at caves Valley, where there's a big advantage when you can drive it a little bit farther, when you can carry some of those cross bunkers, when he Fazio puts bunkers in kind of right in the right spot. And, and it makes it, it makes shorter hitters play wide and it allows longer hitters to get aggressive. So a, a really solid field, first of all, and a golf course, that's not a great fit for McNeely. You can almost write, it's almost expected there. But when he gets into venues that fit him, he steps up and he plays great. So, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm in on McNeely. Does that help, Sal? Did we convince you at all? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that he's, I'm going to check the betting board, but I think that he's probably the first guy into my lineup this week just for everything that was just mentioned here, but didn't play last week. And I think that's really going to factor into the ownership. I don't think people are going to have as much confidence going to somebody that hasn't played since November when, oh, some guy, uh, Matt Jones, finished T3 last week, set a course record, then is now third on that all-time list moments later, um, and he's right there in the pricing. So I think things like that will help for sure. So, Sal, I'm curious about this uh, to get your thoughts. Does the, does the playing last week affect more of the pricing, ownership, or, or both? Yeah, I, I really think based on the last two years from what I was looking at, I think it's going to be both here. This this is the most dramatic I've seen it for pricing. So in past years, Matt Jones finished really well. So that's going to change some things. But like an EVR, a power, even a Cam Davis where they finished last week, they, they'll usually be in this type of a field like seventy seven to seventy five hundred dollars. This is the most dramatic that I've seen the pricing a week later. So I think that that's going to affect pricing. And in, in this weird outcome, I think that at the beginning of the season, this is like one of the only times we get this. It's also going to give people more confidence to play those guys as they haven't not played in two months or a month and a half. So it's a really strange situation where you have players that are more expensive and higher owns, even though there's not much difference there, but besides four rounds of golf. That, that's a really interesting take. And I know I fall into that. Like I always, I want something to, to hang my, I want some, some proof, right? right? I want to know that, Hey, I want to feel comfortable. And maybe that's where my statistic that, that Rick didn't like comes into play. (laughs) Right. I want to feel like, Hey, these guys are, they've loosened up a little bit. They've shaken off any rust. I like that. Yeah, and have, so uh, I guess I, that, that's it's a not like thought. they're sitting around eating bonbons on their couch. Like they're playing golf. They're in the they're in the simulator. They've hit a million balls since last time we've seen them play. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know though the the advantage of these guys in Hawaii, the, the mai tais on the beach for for uh, a whole week in between. That, might, that might be that might not be an advantage. If that was me, I'd be. Uh, I don't think I'd be getting much practice Different time in between to these up. two events. <laughs> yeah, but Rick, I mean, your your profile fits the course so well. Short, it, it, quirky, it, it, you know, really, you it really does. Practice. It really does. I'll just go out there and uh, you know shoot a couple under every day. All right, Greg, you get a crack here at the eight thousand dollar range. Uh, Cam okay. Davis had a pretty good week last week. We could talk about that. Charles Howe the third has phenomenal course history. Matt Jones had a, a pop. He's a popper. What what are we doing here? There's kind of a lot to unwrap. Yeah, I, I think McNeely is my favorite play, um, and Henley would be right there, right there with them. They're kind of one A, one B. I feel more warm and fuzzy about Henley. I think he's a more solid player overall than McNeely, but I'm kind of trusting the trend with McNeely, and so definitely 
rolling with him uh, a little higher up in this range is Billy Horschel. Um, Billy Horschel is a guy that it feels like this should be a great fit for him. Sometimes he can get it going with his iron play. Although last week it was, it was far from it. And yeah. I'm wondering if, if what we saw last week is a trend or just a pop, I mean, he doesn't really lose. Eh, maybe he did early last year. <laughs> well, this is okay, Greg. So this is like, okay, we saw Billy Horschel play. You excited about him? Cause he lost eight strokes on approach. Yeah. Yeah. He lost. <laughs> I wish eight. we didn't see him play. Uh, I liked what I saw on the greens from him. I think that's a good fit. I, I think with Billy Horschel, he typically does not rank very high in, in the approach game category, but on certain courses, he seems to show up and and hit the ball really well and hit some short irons and wedges really well and, and give himself a lot of birdie opportunities. So I, I wonder if the performance last week will keep people away from Horschel a little bit. Maybe from the sounds of it, the fact that he played will raise that ownership. So he, he was a guy that I was looking at as a, a possible turnaround. I'm expecting a turnaround in that approach play. And I like what he's done on the greens. If that ownership creeps up a little high, I may stray away because I do like I do like Henley and I like McNeely more in this range. He would be my my third guy, but I think that's going to be ownership dependent. If it's low, I'll take a shot at it. If it's not, then uh, I'm going to stay away. Is that fair? That's fair. I think that's fair. Um, we can put a bow in this eight thousand dollar range and move on. But Charles Howe the third is here. And I know people always get real excited about Charles Howe III when we get to Wiley because he's been basically a top 15 machine every year of his career. But Sal, I'm I'm not a, a CH3 guy. I just think that you pay for this unbelievable course history at $8,000, and I, I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know if he can win this golf tournament. Yeah, I'm I'm in alignment there. The, the one thing I will say is that if, if course history was ever to be weighted in, you know, the masters comes into play there, Augusta. And then I think right up after that, you probably have to start talking about Wiley in terms of guys that consistently, I mean, Pebble comes into internet as an extent to AT&T, but th those are spots where it matters a little bit more, but I mean, what is that difference? Is it, does it go to a 10 to 15% in terms of like weighting it instead of 5%? So I'm in a, I'm in a similar boat with you, but it's at least interesting to see these guys continue to have success on these Hawaii courses. Rick, what does he have to do to quote unquote pay for himself? Well, a good question. Probably, I mean, if he scored 80 fantasy points, I think you'd be pretty happy, which of course it's going to be very dependent on the scoring. Last week that would have been garbage. Uh, but you know, some weeks if the wind starts kicking, that's going to be a lot. I think he probably, if you want to look at it in terms of the leaderboard at 8,000, I don't know what you have to finish. 20 first something like yeah. that he could do he could do that but it just okay, there's no but there's no 21st, upside, and right? it's like and it's like okay but if his ceiling is t18 and his floor is t40 like he doesn't win you any money he's just a guy you plug in right, right you're, yeah. you're just happy with it that's the thing i worry about with him i feel like uh, a mcneely could give you a, a solo third right i wouldn't be surprised henley could give you he could win Right. I think Horschel's in that same boat where he could finish. He, he, those guys have that top five upside. I, I don't, I, I don't think Horschel's, um, uh, Howell's going to miss the cut, but I don't see that. I, I don't see that top 10, top five upside yeah. for him. 
$7,000 range. I'm not going to read them all, but it starts with Brendan Steele, Chris Kirk, uh, Christian Bezadenhout at the top. It goes all the way down to a flat 7000 of Robert Streb, KH Lee, Adam Shank, Alex Smalley. This is where things start to get really interesting, Sal. I think this is where you can start to differentiate yourself a little bit. I think that this is where you could take flyers on maybe some of the Corn Ferry guys or you've got more established PGA Tour pros. There's just there's a lot to choose from in this range. So what do you choose from? Yeah, I think when I look at this range, it's it's kind of a difficult range. It's obviously larger, more options to choose from, but there's a lot of guys on here that are either making their debut to the tour, like the Corn Ferry guys. There's a lot of guys on here that they didn't dominate the, the fall swing, but they played very well there. But outside of that, there wasn't much going on. Once they hit those somewhat weaker fields, it got better for them. And a guy that comes to mind is like an Aaron Ray comes to mind who he looked good. Like the fall swing, everything looked good for him. The way that he's going, it comes in with three top 20s from the fall swing. The problem is to an extent, you haven't seen him until November. I'm not too concerned about that. It's just now transitioning back to a field that honestly it's up top, not near the same Bryson leaving helps a little bit as the fall swing. So that's a concern. And, and it kind of starts to lump those guys together, like a Troy Merritt, a Denny McCarthy. These are all names that start to pop up that I star off here, especially McCarthy when it comes down to putting and, and eagle opportunities. So th those are kind of the range that I'm looking at guys that are coming in with good form from the fall swing, but definitely not confident in them, but that's what you're going to get in the seven K range. So trying to go off of something, it's the fall swing being there and, and more specifically, I mean, Aaron Ray in the fall swing, the approach was really clicking there. So I think that's probably where I'm, I'm looking to start is McCarthy and, and Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Der Denny, those two guys, McCarthy and Aaron Rye were, they did not want the fall season to end. They, they were right. on a roll. They had things coming. The five strokes gained on approach from Aaron Rye over his last uh, two events, each, of those events is is something special, but Greg, it's 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 that question again. What what are they? Is this going to continue? I think the Danny McCarthy stuff is really interesting because he's always been a great putter and he's trying to just get back to zero in some of the other categories. And on Bermuda, he's the best putter on the planet. I mean, it, it's that to me. I probably give as my favorite guy in this range. But who do you like here? Well, there are three guys, and I don't really. This is my problem in this range. Um, so I, I have three guys that I think fit this mold of of really solid putters. Um, maybe maybe you could consider them accurate drivers of the ball. They're definitely not long hitters. That would be Danny McCarthy, as you mentioned, Christian Beside Christian Bezidenhout, Um, and I'm sorry, Mark, if you're listening, I know that's mispronounced. Uh, and was. Brendan that's Todd. Okay. He's usually um, very uh, very forgiving with those. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, those guys have done a few things that I really like. Well, Danny McCarthy, you mentioned the the success of the fall, the the Mayakoba um, Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba was uh, was a nice finish for him with a with a T15. Bezidenhout also um, had a nice finish there. He was also T15, and Brendan Todd has had some success there as well. He was tied 11th. So those guys. The, the reason I use my Coba, it fits. It's a similar course fit and guys who do well there have a tendency of doing well here as well. So I, I like that kind of crossover. Um, and so I, I think that makes sense. Now, the other guy in this range who stands out to me and he's contrarian to the, the great putters. Those three are also, they're three of the best putters in this field. So I, I, I really like them for that reason. But the other guy that stands out to me is at 7,600. He's kind of a, 
a fan favorite, a guy that I like often because of his iron play. And that's Tom Hoagie. Tom Hoagie finished tied fourth at the RSM. And he's basically gained at least three strokes of approaching the green since basically all, all season since the, the Fortinet. So I think that's a real big advantage for him as well. And it could be another course fit. So, um, he's a little bit different because the putting isn't as strong. It's a little more inconsistent, but I, I have a feeling that iron play is going to be really important and Hoagie's going to be a good play. The good thing about Hoagie is that he at least pops. Like when he has a good week, he's got top five, top 10 upside. We talk Absolutely. all the time that some guys don't even have that capability. Tom Hoagie certainly does. Sal, I, I think one of the other interesting kind of sub subplots here is, are, are these corn fairy guys. You know, they some of them played in the fall and got their feet wet, and now they've had time to reset and get ready for 2022, the calendar year. Is there a corn fairy tour grad or two that you're excited about? Yeah, it becomes a lot more difficult, I would say, trying to parse out if that's going to factor as much in here for me, at least on this first event. So I'm probably going to stay away from it on my end. I think that I go more towards like a Tom Hoagie's is pointed out. Denny McCarthy is probably where I go the most in this range. If I'm not hitting up a Troy Merritt or anything along those lines, I'm probably going to avoid the Corn Fairy Tour on my end. That could be a mistake with just this type of a field, but that's early on where I'm probably sitting, at least for these debuts. Okay, the one guy that I find somewhat interesting would be Chad Ramey. So if you look at this, Greg, and I, I'm going to do try to do the quick count. His 2021, I believe he played 21 events. He had 16 top 20s, including a win in Maine. He has a 14th at the Shriners, a 17th in Bermuda. We've talked about it all the time. The line is getting more blurred between the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour. And when you're on the first page or two of either of those leaderboards, you're doing something right. He would be probably my favorite. And he's 70, I believe he's $7,100. And what you see, you see some really solid uh, um, iron play coming off yeah. on in his start to the uh, to the PGA Tour season. I mean, the, the, the weight of all that green on the far right-hand column there of his strokes gain total is significant it, it yeah. signified he was playing some good golf he got his pg tour card he now has his feet wet he's in full swing i think he's a reasonable play um probably a some higher miscut risk than sure. um than, than the guys i mentioned a uh, brendan todd is a really safe play compared to uh compared to rammy for in my opinion so yeah but i, I like him I, i'm depending on your total overall lineup construction i think he could be a, a nice piece to fit in. He's also cheaper. Uh, so that, that helps. He's down the way a little bit. Speaking of cheaper, let's continue on down to that $6,000 range. Some familiar names at the top, Brant Snedeker, Harry Higgs, Michael Thompson, Rory Sabatini, and the min price this week. Let's see who we've got. Jerry Kelly, who has played this event about a million times, Paul Barjan, Kevin Chappell, $6,000. And those are the notables, I think. Right. Sal, anybody in the six thousand yeah. dollar range that really, really perks your ears up? Yeah, I think that if there's anybody it's probably towards the top, it drops off real quick. Amateurs start to come into play here, which is interesting. Um, but Max McGreevy is probably the guy. And and if anything, this is the the OU product. This this might be just more bias on my end from knowing about this guy a little bit more, listening to po some podcasts that he's on and just becoming more of a fan of it, but actually looking into what he's done. I mean, the, the fall swing 
You had some strong starts in there. You ended up having really good tee to green play at Houston. I mean, it was a top, I believe, eight tee to green performance there. Total strokes gain over five in both of the last two events. You want to go back even further from that when he's not on the PGA Tour and he's having success there. Comes right into the PGA Tour with two top 20s after the Sanderson and Bermuda. So, yeah, I think that if I'm going to go to this range, which the way that the slate is slowly starting to break out, it seems like not much options in the $9,000 range. You might not have to jump down here just from having flatter lineups in that 8K range and 7K. Um, but if I was to go here, that's towards the top is where it, it starts to look like I can get somewhere and feel comfortable with a made cut, which is kind of what I want at this point. But he can also score from a small sample of five PGA Tour events. You're getting some decent scoring out of him as well in terms of birdies. Yeah, I'm agreeing with a couple close calls on the Corn Ferry last year. Runner-up finish, a third-place finish, and a T8 at the finals, which is generally their most stacked event of the year. Okay, Greg, if we want to try to get Cam Smith into a lineup, if we want to try to get maybe a Webb Simpson and an Abraham answer, this is the range we might have to live in. We might have to find a guy here. Who are we looking for? So as uh- – there, look, there are risks you could take, right? Could you go to a guy who's played some good golf, who you're very familiar with, who you know the profile should fit in a, a Jim Furyk? I, I'm, I'm not quite comfortable with that, but I am comfortable at 6,600. I'm comfortable with Mark Hubbard. Mark Hubbard's a really safe yeah. play. If you're going with a, a Cam Smith and, and you're banking on that hot streak continuing and you need a, you need a made cut, uh, you're going to go with a a, a Chad Ramey, a, a riskier play in that $7,000 range or something along those lines. I think Mark Hubbard has a really, really high likelihood of giving you a, a made cut. He's been really solid approaching the green um, and and his ball striking in general. Last year, he had a, a really nice streak. He's, he's given you, he'll give you in these, you know, weaker, I don't want to call it a weak field, but in these um, more subdued fields, he can give you a top 15, a top 20. And and at 6,600, I'm comfortable with a safe play. Um, and, and then I got one other guy who's a little more risky, who's sure. a little higher priced. And he's becoming a little bit of a popper. It's Cam Young. And Cam Young has been yeah. hit or miss on the greens. But when he's hit, it's led. To, I mean, he, he was right there in the mix at the Sanderson Farms. He won. Uh, he he won twice in back to back weeks on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. And so I I think he could be a an option, but it's definitely definitely a, a high risk play um, at that at that spot. But he's a really solid driver of the ball, and he's yeah. going to give himself opportunities. It really leans on the putter. I, I like those guys as well. The one more name I'll throw into the ring here is, is Hudson Swafford, who's been great on approach. The around the green play looks a lot like mine, which is not very good. But again, if you're if you're having to tap into getting up and down for par or whatever, you're not winning these golf tournaments anyway. I, I, I don't really care about that. But if you look at his history at YLI, pretty solid. Right, he's got uh, one, two, three, four, five top twenty-five finishes in eight or so starts. He's only missed the cut once, so maybe this is a place that he can find a little bit of success. Anybody else, gentlemen, in the six thousand dollar range that is worth a flyer? Because really, at this point, that is that is what they are. Yeah, I would say nobody else specifically, but just a point on when you're playing these guys, like the importance of lineup construction comes into play even more. There's a very low hit rate. If they make the cut, you're happy at that point. You want to try and get all your guys through the cut. That's the goal, right? But if they make the cut, you're kind of asking for a lot after that for a top 10 or a top 20. So you want to almost balance out those points that you may be leaving on the table in terms of birdie streaks or even eagle opportunities or or just placement points. 
And that's where a lot of the time these 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 barbell approach of pay all the way up, go down, come into play. But it really matters from getting ceiling into your lineup. So in this event, like, what does that mean? Who has the highest ceiling, not only to win, but score? It happens to be the guys up top, a web, a Cam Smith. Um, we talked about Maverick McNeely. I think there's a really big ceiling on Mav McNeely at that price range. So that's the one thing I would say. If you're going to dip into that 6K range, just make sure that you're you're getting the the offsetting ceiling of a guy up top to kind of balance out um, a subpar score but a made cut. Yeah, I like that. And the the gap that was left by Bryson DeChambeau in this pricing, Greg, it's, it's interesting because now there's a, a much clearer delineation of – to go with Cam Smith or to not go with Cam Smith? That that yes. is kind of the question here, right? The six thousand dollar gap between him and Hideki, and if and if you're not interested in Hideki, it's a seven hundred dollar gap to Webb Simpson. So so the fact that the pricing came out earlier than that announcement has kind of thrown a little bit of a wrench into this. And he was going to be um, an extremely interesting play or fade in this field because he's he's had some success on shorter courses he's a smart player he's not a he's not a meathead right he bryson's in this interesting camp where he he started his career one way and became something else for a reason and some guys come out and they're long and they lean on their length and they've leaned on length their whole career bryson isn't that way so when he gets on shorter courses he can Sometimes he can make that work. He knows how to think his way around a golf course. And I thought it was going to make for a really interesting conversation today. Um, so now it leaves it, it it really leaves you with the Cam Smith to to play or not to play. And um and and that puts you in a tough spot with a Webb Simpson, which seems like an automatic. So the the top of the board's really interesting. I think it's really important to hit on. Um and and that lineup construction is going to be important. Do you take a, a is there a safer play in the 6K range than there is in that in that lower 7K? Is that going to get you the payoff you need? Where are you taking your risks? Where are you playing it safe and, and hoping for a made cut? So I, I think it's going to be an interesting week. Um, and and I think there are a lot of guys who can play well here, which makes for uh, some tough decisions. Um, but But you got to think, as Sal said, wisely so you gotta you gotta be really cautious and and precise with that lineup construction i think a really straightforward way to approach that top range is if you don't play web you just play cam smith like i because he's he's plus 800 to win the event webs plus 1200 to win the event they both can score and if you're not playing web you're taking on a lot of risks there and the way to go about that is you might as well get what seems like he's probably going to be a lower own guy who has just as much upside so I, I feel like that's probably the way I'll approach it. If I'm if I don't end up going with Webb, I'm just going to directly start with Cam Smith. I will certainly I, I be like talking myself into Cam Smith the the longer this week goes on. But for now, we'll put a pin in this conversation. Salvetri, Salvetri YouTube channel at Salvetri DFS. Really appreciate you hopping on and and filling in for us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime you need me, just uh, ring the bat phone. We got it behind me. Just let me know. <laughs> Great stuff. job, Sal. Great to meet you. Great to have you on here. Great meeting you as well. Thank you so much. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. So big thanks to producer Jacob. Greg Ducharme, you can find on Twitter at the Real GFD, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 